0: In our study through Romans, we intentionally skipped over Romans 6, 3-14 so we could go back to them for Easter and the Sunday before Easter. Two weeks ago, we explored what it means to be baptized into Christ's death and saw how we become united with him in death through immersion in water. Last week, we discovered how we share in his resurrection by dying to sin and rising to walk in newness of life. Well, Before we went back to Paul's great passage on baptism, we were in the seventh chapter and had begun a study on the purpose for the law. And in verses 7 through 13, we learned that we needed the law because the law defines sin, arouses sin, empowers sin, and exposes sin. Now, if it seems strange to you that sin needed to not only be defined, but aroused and empowered as well as exposed, I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the sermon. The manuscript is on the sermon table, and the message is available as always in both printed and audio format on our website. The short answer to why we needed the law is quite simply that it was the law that drove us to Christ. And today we go a step further and explore whether or not we still need. The law. Now, when I say we, I mean you and me. So let's be sure to make it personal, as did the Apostle Paul. He began verse 7 with we, but then switched to I. I would not have come to know sin except through the law. He's writing in the first person past tense, making it clear that at one point in his life, he had needed the law, that it was the law that made him aware of his need for a Savior. He continues in the first person through the end of the chapter. But at verse 14, he switches to the present tense. And that raises a question that scholars and commentators have been debating for centuries. Is Paul actually talking about his present condition in verses 14 through 25 or just speaking hypothetically? If he's confessing a current struggle, it would appear that he still needed the law. And if he did, surely we do too. And if the Apostle still needed the law for the reasons he goes on to enumerate, we still need the law for the same reasons. We still need the law because we are still in need of a standard. We are still indwelt by sin, and we are still at war. Within. Like Paul, we are still in need of a standard. Romans seven fourteen through sixteen. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin, for that which I am doing I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do. But I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not wish to do, I agree with the law, confessing that it is good. Now, I think you can see why this passage is so controversial. You know, back in the sixth chapter, Paul insisted that we who are in Christ have died to sin. Our old self was buried with him in Christian baptism that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. But now he says, I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. Now, if he had said, I was sold into bondage to sin, would have no problem with that. He would have been talking about his pre-conversion days, his life before Christ. And as we've already noted, he was using the past tense up to this point. But now he starts using the present tense, and he uses it over 20 times in the remainder of this chapter. So it certainly looks like Paul is talking about a current struggle he's facing, not one that he had faced. That which I am doing, he says, I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but am doing the very thing I hate. Now surely we can understand this, I'm sure we've all experienced failure to do what we wanted to do and to do what we knew we should do. And we've all found ourselves doing things we hate, saying and doing things we regret. None of us lives up to the expectations we have for ourselves or the expectations we believe God has for us. We fall terribly short And we do some of the stupidest things. Well, Paul was no different. We call him Saint Paul, but he wasn't perfect. And he was the first to admit it. He didn't always do what he knew he should do. What he really wanted to do as a Christian or as an apostle of Christ. He blew it on a regular basis, and he hated it. But it was his failure to do right that proved the law to be good. You know, his behavior certainly couldn't be the standard by which right and wrong were to be judged. He needed a standard outside of himself by which to judge his own behavior, to use as a constant check. On how he was doing. He wanted to do the right thing. But he knew he couldn't be trusted to always do the right thing. And if left to himself, he would have no doubt eventually convinced himself that he was doing the right thing. You know, we can even get off track by asking ourselves that question that was real popular several years ago. What would Jesus do? Now, we can create a Jesus in our own image and justify anything we want if we don't have an absolute by which to judge right and wrong. And the law provides that, even for us today. The law is spiritual. It is God-breathed, and it's not polluted by sin as we are. Let's read on, verses 17 through 21. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which indwells me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the wishing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I wish, I do not do, but I practice the very evil That I do not wish. But if I am doing the very thing I do not wish, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which indwells me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wishes to do good. Now, Paul isn't copping out with a, the devil made me do it here. He's simply stating a fact that even though he has renounced sin and has been forgiven for his sin, sin still indwells him. In fact, he says nothing good dwells in him, at least not in his flesh. And that's the key to understanding what he's saying here. He's merely admitting that even though he has renounced sin, Sin still has a hold on his flesh. He still has fleshly desires. When he became a Christian, the flesh didn't die. And evil inhabits the flesh. Now, he did not say the flesh is evil. But that evil is present in the flesh. The flesh is where Satan stages his attack most often. He attacks us where we are the weakest. And as Jesus said to the disciples as they were sleeping in Gethsemane, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Or, as many of us read this morning in the message, there is a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God. But there's another part That's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. (laughs) The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That was Paul's experience. The wishing was present, but the doing wasn't. The wishing came from a new spirit that was given him when he was born again. But when he was born again, he was born again into his old fleshly body. Someday, that fleshly body would be exchanged for a spiritual body. But until then, he was stuck in the flesh. He was a prisoner of his flesh. And the flesh was weak. It was prone to sin. It was, in fact, indwelt by sin that's why he was still in bondage to sin he was stuck in a sinful body but that did not mean he had lost the battle it simply meant that he like we are still at war within verses 22 through 25 For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. The inner man, the new spiritual man within Paul's body, joyfully concurred with the law of God. He agreed 100% with what it said And he wanted to follow it perfectly. But there's a different law at work in his members, his body itself. No matter how hard he tried, he failed. The flesh would break free from his will and follow a will of its own, which he knew was actually the will of the enemy, his enemy, as well as God's enemy. There was a war going on within him, a war between the flesh and the spirit, and he had to be constantly vigilant or the flesh would win. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote, I buffet my body. Now, that's not buffet, as some would like to believe. It doesn't mean you eat smorgasbords all the time. They're both spelled the same, but buffet means to hit, to bruise, to beat into submission. I buffet my body and make it my slave, lest possibly, after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul knew he could lose the battle. If he let the flesh take over, he would lose. So he had to keep the flesh in check and the spirit in charge. Isn't that what he told us to do in Galatians 5? He said, if we walk by the spirit, we won't carry out the desire of the flesh. And then he spelled out what the deeds of the flesh are. He said they are evident, but went ahead to tell us again anyway. The deeds of the flesh are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, Jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. He gave us a list so we would have a standard whereby to judge our behavior so we could tell whether we were actually walking in the spirit or the flesh. He gave us a law, in other words, and said that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But who among us doesn't experience outbursts of anger or jealousy? Or disputes. Like Paul, we are serving the law of God with our mind, but the law of sin with our flesh. We know what we ought to do. The law serves as a constant reminder, and we still need that reminder. But the law can't save us. And it can't keep us faithful. All it does is keep us crying, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? And that sounds like a horrible way to go through life. But it really isn't. It's merely an acknowledgement that we're not yet what we ought to be. And that someone outside of ourselves must set us free. That person, of course, is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we thank Him even now before we have final victory because we know He will see us through the struggle. The struggle we're in is only temporary, but it's one we need to stay in because it keeps us trusting in the only one who can save us in spite of our sin and the sin that still indwells us. So yes, we have died to sin in the sense that sin can no longer condemn us. And we are no longer slaves to sin. We obey Christ. We serve Him. We've committed ourselves to Him. We do, however, fail in our service to Christ. Even though our minds and hearts belong to Him, sin still has a hold on our bodies our fleshly nature, and sin's grasp won't be loosed completely until Christ gives us a new spiritual body equal to the spirit he has already planted within us. So until then, we still need the law. Because it serves as a daily reminder that Christ, and Christ alone, can give us victory over sin. We can't do it without him. The good news isn't that sin can no longer touch us. The good news isn't that we become good enough to be acceptable to God. The good news is that if we will come to Christ, just as we are, false and all, he will save us. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you want him to give you a new spirit, he's willing to do so. Come. Allow him to cleanse you and implant that spirit within you. And someday, when he comes to take you home, the struggle will be over. Because he will give you a body that's equal to that spirit. Until then, we acknowledge our sin. We acknowledge our failings. We acknowledge our need for a Savior. And we're so grateful for one who accepts us just as we are if our heart has been given to him. Just as I am. Without one plea, I don't have to beg for it. We can come before him and find acceptance through his grace. Let's thank him and praise him for that. Let's stand.